0: friends and welcome back to Get Your Comic My name is Neil. My name is Martin. And we have been away for a little while, haven't we? Just a smidge. I think it's been about a month since we recorded a podcast, so we do apologise to you lovely listeners out there in the interweb world. After, uh, after the Shazam premiere, uh, life got a little bit busy, didn't it?
1: It did just a little bit. Uh,
0: I don't really know how, other than if we look at the snazzy new whiteboard on the uh, studio wall that we had Avengers and Pikachu and Hellboy and like a million and one TV series that happened in between. But life got in the way. Life did. Life finds a way. Finds a way to ruin your podcast timetable. It did completely ruin our podcast timetable. We are, as we speak, uh, about six weeks behind on Doom Patrol (laughs) and several movies behind and everything else. But fear not, because we are back. And we have, I guess, what you would describe as a new format. Because we realised that actually trying to record a million and one different individual podcasts for different things, like I wanted to keep doing Doom Patrol, you wanted to do Game of Thrones, it was kind of not very possible to keep doing that. So we're back with the first of our new, longer, well-rounded episodes of Get Your Comic Con where we'll cover a multitude of topics in different formats. In this particular episode, we are going to be talking about a little movie you may have heard of, or you may have seen, called Avengers Endgame. Is that the one with the man in the iron suit? Yes. Yes. We're also going to talk about the first issue of DC Comics' new miniseries, Deceased, and then we're going to wrap up by telling you all about Detective Pikachu, which hits cinemas on May the 10th, so next Friday. Suffice to say, pretty much everything we're going to be talking about today will verge on spoiler territory, so if there's anything you've not seen or you don't want to hear, then feel free to skip it. I will put down in the description below exactly the uh, time codes for each of the different sections so you'll know when we start talking about each thing, so you can skip it if you need to and yada yada just so that... Spoilers are avoided and everyone is happy. So if you're all seated and comfortable and ready to begin, then let's start with Avengers Endgame. We lost, all of us.
1: We lost friends, we lost family. Today we have a chance to take it all back. We will,
0: whatever it takes. Whatever it takes. Whatever it takes. Avengers Endgame arrived in cinemas on the 25th of April 2019. The synopsis, albeit the sort of weirdly short because no one wanted to give anything away sort of synopsis, reads After the devastating events of Avengers Infinity War, brackets 2018, the universe is in ruins. With the help of remaining allies, the Avengers assemble once more in order to undo Thanos' actions and restore order to the universe dare I run through a cast list for this movie <laughs> but I, think, I think it's safe to say everybody ever in a Marvel film uh, yeah, Robert Downey Jr Iron Man, Chris Evans, Captain America Mark Ruffalo, Bruce Banner, Hulk, Chris Hemsworth Thor, Scarlett Johansson, Black Widow Jeremy Renner, Hawkeye, Don Cheadle War Machine, Paul Rudd, Ant-Man, Benedict Cumberbatch, Doctor Strange, Chadwick Boseman Black Panther, Brie Larson, Captain Marvel, Tom Holland, Spider-Man Karen Gillan, Nebula, Zoe Saldana Gamora, Evangeline Lilly, The Wasp Tessa Thompson, Valkyrie, Rene Russo as Frigga, Elizabeth Olsen as Scarlet Witch, Anthony Mackie as Falcon, Sebastian Stan as Winter Soldier, Tom Hiddleston as Loki, Denai Guerrero as Okoye, Benedict Wong as Wong, Pom Clementieff as Mantis, said that wrong, Dave Bautista as Drax, Letitia Wright, Shuri; and then John Slattery as Howard Stark, Tilda Swinton as The Ancient One, John Favreau as Happy Hogan, Hayley Atwell as Peggy Carter, Natalie Portman as Jane Foster, Marissa Tomei as Aunt May, Taika Waititi as Korg, Angela Bassett as Ramonda, Michael Douglas as Hank Pym, Michelle Pfeiffer as Janet Van Dyne. you've not stopped me yet, William Hurt as Secretary of State Thaddeus, can't see the rest of the name because I'm on the cheat page of IMDB, Kobe Smulders as Maria Hill, Sean Gunn as Onset Rocket, Winston Duke as M'Baku, Linda Cardellini as Laura Barton, and I shall stop right there. Thank you very much. <laughs> well, there's a lot of people in this movie. I actually haven't written a review for this yet, believe it or not. Oh, you're a bit late with that one. I know, well, I didn't really know what my thoughts were on it after the first watch, so I wanted to see it again, which obviously I did. And then I still kind of felt like I needed to talk it out before I could write it. So this is my Avengers Endgame therapy before I could write it down. Oh, fair enough. So tell us what you wore. What you wore? Tell us what you wore to see this film. Um, I think I wore jeans and a t-shirt. I think. <laughs> um, what were your thought? So what were you thinking about this movie before you saw it? That it had a lot of hype,
1: a lot of hype, and a lot to live up to that hype. All of the hype. All of the hype. I really liked Infinity War, I thought it was a really good film. Yep. And I was expecting this, this had to be better.
0: And given the build up and the secrecy, uh, it was quite exciting. And you were entirely unspoiled going into this? I was. I was not? You were not. Yeah, so two people commented on an interview with Scarlett Johansson on our YouTube channel to say, Why did you do it, Scarlett? Why did you sacrifice yourself? Why did you die? So I was unfortunately spoiled for that death. To be fair, before we went into the film, I made several predictions, and I think they were all correct. Okay, so on the night, you're entering the cinema, taking your seats. Well, seat, you only needed one. Not I only two. Need one. Yeah. Uh, how are you feeling? Nervous? Excited?
1: Ready? Um, to be honest with you, I was quite annoyed, just purely because of the cinema experience, not because of the film.
0: I'm trying to remember... Ah, yes. Not a great cinema experience for us, actually, for our usual cinema. Uh, I know it was a Thursday night, but totally... They didn't seem to predict how busy it would be, given that every screen was sold out for Avengers. To
1: have, what, three people serving?
0: Yeah. Unprecedented experience for us. We went to the cinema with no popcorn, no pick-and-mix, and and no drink.
1: Because there was no
0: time. There was no time. There was absolutely no time, given that we arrived like forty minutes before the movie. that's just unheard of. so yeah, that's true actually that that was that was an like experience i don't I don't like not having sweets with my movie. It's a very long
1: movie as well. And we <laughs> needed, you know I needed a drink at one point. How were you feeling in the build up and as we entered the the cinematography
0: room? I was quite nervous, actually. I had an idea in my head as to who was going to cop it at the end of the movie. It was only ever going to be between two people. It was only ever going to be Cap or it was going to be Iron Man. So there was already an expectation that something was going to happen to one of those two. My main thing, and I realised I don't do this very often, was I couldn't decide how it would end. Do you find that? So I... I thought at length about what would happen and who would die and who would survive, but I never put any thought into what the final, like, the last shot would be or the final scene would be. So suddenly I got all anxious about how it would end. Like, would it end by kicking off what would happen next or would it just end or would it be another cliffhanger ending? Like, I got a bit fixated on exactly how it, what would be that last bit of the movie.
1: Obviously, it's not about the end, it's about the journey.
0: <laughs> it is, yes. Um, There's a mar
1: When you get there, it's how you get
0: there. I knew I would like it. I was worried it wouldn't live up to Infinity War, and part of me still thinks it doesn't quite live up to it. And I was also a bit worried about how long it was going to be, because two hours and 58 minutes is a long, long time, and it's a lot longer than Marvel normally would make a movie. So I was worried that the plot wouldn't quite last.
1: Especially when we had no drinks
0: or snacks. Don't get fixated on the fact that we had no drinks or snacks. I no, I must let it go. Okay, okay so who were your favourite characters? Top two favourite characters. Go. Countdown clock is ticking. Spider-Man. Yep.
1: And Ant-Man. Oh, okay.
0: Reasons for your choices. Spider-Man. He
1: adds a layer of humanism that you don't really get from the rest of them. I think it's the innocence; Okay. Makes them feel a bit more vulnerable.
0: Favourite Spider-Man moment in this movie? Any moment with him in it, really. (laughs) Okay. So, Ant-Man. Why Ant-Man? Just for the humour. I do like a bit of gentle comedy. Paul Rudd is a funny guy. Yeah. Favourite moments with him?
1: In the suit. When we get to go through all the ages of
0: Ah, Orange yes. Man. Someone peed in my suit. I don't know if it was old me or baby me or me-me. Yep. Okay, cool. That was a good moment. Least favourite characters?
1: Probably maybe Thor?
0: Yeah, uh, so I would agree with that one. That's understandable. Yeah. For reasons that I will come to in my when it's my turn. Uh, I don't know who else, really. Maybe Hulk as well? Professor Hulk, not really your bag? I think it you're just... not really a Hulk fan in any no. genre or any medium at all no I don't know why I just don't really get on with him <laughs> you'd be falling out with him
1: yeah I don't like green but...
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay so next question is uh, standout moments favourite moments in the movie
1: probably the end the, the epic battle yeah like, all epicness
0: yeah that's a bit really okay Least favourite moments? The first hour and a half. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Understandable. Just going straight in there. <laughs> yep. Anything you'd like to say to elaborate on that?
1: I just I, I just I don't know. I just didn't feel like it was necessary to spend that much time.
0: Yeah. But do you feel like any of that was... Because, regardless of whether you would call yourself a huge Marvel fan or not, do you think that that, that first hour and a half dragged because you were anxious to get to the end and find out what happened
1: maybe i just felt like we were sort of i understand that why we needed to sort of explore what was going on yeah but we seemed to spend a lot of time
0: in the aftermath so for me real story development i know we're talking about you right now but we're jumping to me for a second i know for me on first watch i enjoyed everything before the five years later and then after the five years later, up until the time travel started, I found it really, really dragged. But when I watched it the second time, it didn't feel like it dragged as much. It still feels too long, but it didn't feel like it dragged as much. So I think for me, part of that was the anxiety of what's going to happen? Who's going to die? When are they are going to fight? I do remember thinking once we got to just before the time travel on that first viewing, I was... Uh, well In fact I actually texted one of my old uni crew To say I don't like this movie I don't think I like this movie I think I'm not going to like it And then it got better and by the end I'd sent another message saying No it's alright it's just a bit slow Anyway sorry back to you
1: well, What were we saying?
0: You were to make your least favourite moments
1: Oh just the first It just dragged for me it was too long I felt like you'd have condensed it down quite a bit
0: I do think there's something to be said for it. it could have been A slightly more condensed cut
1: what were your favourite characters? Top two,
0: go. Uh, top two characters, Cap and. Um, Ooh. I think I'd probably go Spider Man as well, actually.
1: And why those two choices?
0: Up until this movie, I would always have said that Cap and Thor are my two favourite Avengers, but uh, Thor is ruined for me at this point. So, Cap, and I've just always loved Spider Man. I think in this movie, I just. I liked Cap's arc. I liked seeing him defeated. I liked seeing him accept what had happened and moving on I thought the scene with the the kind of therapy session group was really good I enjoyed seeing that in context having seen it in the trailers that actually what looked in the trailer like he was attending a support group in the film is much more like he's leading a support group for people that's left behind like he's moved on from being Captain America he's moved on from being Steve Rogers the superhero and he's now Steve Rogers
1: Steve Rogers
0: that just helps people in in a much more normal and mundane sense but it's trying to help the world from from what's happened and help them to move on and then to see him have to kind of step back into being a hero and then being the hero and leading the battle and nearly dying out on the field with everyone in the battle with Thanos 2014 Thanos not 2018 Thanos or 2022 whatever it is by that point because of the five year jump um To then seeing what happens to him at the end where he goes back in time to take the stones back making the decision to stay wherever he was be it our timeline or a branch timeline with a different peggy and not our peggy not that i'm sour about that at all and then old man cap handing over the shield to to sam i just thought it was a really good arc for his character overall and spider-man i just love i don't know that i would say i guess i would say tom holland's my favorite spider-man In a live action sense i've liked all of them for different reasons i guess his is the most marvel i say in air quotes so it was good i loved seeing him come back and seeing the moment that he sees iron man and him and tony have that little hug and he says like mr stark mr stark i don't know what happened after i turned to dust but then you weren't there and tells him the story and then obviously when the the big death happens and he's there with him it's a nice mirror of what happened in infinity walkers obviously Tony was there for him when he died, and he was then there for Tony when Tony died. So I think that's why I would pick those two as my favourites.
1: Who were your least favourites?
0: Thor. Okay, yeah. (laughs) Thor, and I would possibly actually say... "Mm." See, I wasn't a big fan of Professor Hulk the first time I watched it. Second time I slightly warmed to him, but I think the CGI is not the best that they've done for the character. I think I would possibly say Thanos. 2014 Thanos is one of my least favourites in this film. Is that because he's the villain, or...? No, I just think... When you think about him in Infinity War, he was... uh, He was this huge, undefeatable thing that they had to bring everyone together for. And he had this mission. It was very clear what he wanted to do, why he wanted to do it. He succeeded. We got to see those little flashback moments, so we got to see him with baby Gamora when he killed half of her planet and there was a lot of context to what he was doing and then when they caught up with him on the garden planet in this one he was almost you were almost able to sympathise with him because you, what you saw was a Thanos who was done who had sort of retired and had done what he needed to do and wasn't afraid to die he didn't really fight back all that much when they took him down he struggled but when they cut his hand off and then he was just talking when Thor cut his head off. He didn't really do anything. He destroyed the stones because everything was done and he almost accepted his fate because he'd completed his mission. The thing that annoyed him at, you know, later on was that he realised that, I mean the 2014 version realised that in completing the mission that he was working on, he'd hoped that everyone would just give up and live their lives and they didn't. They fought back because they couldn't, they couldn't live with half the universe being missing. So I felt like he was a well-rounded character. And he was a very... Do you remember how the the directors had said that a lot of Infinity War was told from his point of view? And that really worked for Marvel, who don't necessarily do villains very well. They're villainous, and they're evil, and they do what they do, but they're not the most well-rounded characters, and we often say they're quite undercooked. And I think that the 2014 version of Thanos, who then travels to the present day, is undercooked. I know he's younger, and they had to make him different to the the version that we saw in Infinity War, because he's further along the journey and further, not further along, sorry, he's behind, he's not as far along in the journey, and he's not as far along in deciding what it is that he's doing, but he just exists for the sake of existing. He's there, he has Nebula, he finds out from her exactly what was going on, then realises, ooh, I succeeded, and then gets dragged into the future, has a fight, and dies. He does very little. There's very little meaning to that version of the character and I thought that was quite disappointing.
1: Dare I ask about Thor?
0: Oh yeah, I nearly forgot about Thor. The the thing I don't like about Thor is what they do to him physically and how they then use that as a point of humour. So I think if you look at this movie overall, they very pointedly have their first LGBTQ character because you have the... The director who cameos one of the co-directors cameoing in that um, kind of therapy session scene talking about going out for dinner with his male partner and how they both cried over what happened and we've never had a character that's been openly gay like that before in a Marvel movie you also have the importance of old man Steve handing the shield and the cap mantle not to Bucky who was another white male but to Sam who was a you know a man of color which is very important they could have gone a completely different way and kept the character white and they didn't they showed some diversity in doing that and as forced as I feel it was you had the scene with all the female characters teaming up in the battlefield which I've spoken to some female viewers who've seen that film who all said they felt it was forced I'm I'm yet to particularly speak to anyone that felt that was a very empowering moment but that was something that they obviously felt was empowering in doing it so in that you've got three points of really great representation in the film and obviously you have Captain Marvel as well being female yet this character who is in theory ...suffering from PTSD in that scene before the five years later jump... ...where he's isolated himself off because he's upset that he didn't kill Thanos when he had the chance. Instead of either dealing with that and moving on... ...or suffering with that, he becomes a recluse, overweight gamer. And we then see him topless in a way that makes us laugh at him for being fat and that feels not comfortable with me compared to everything else that they did to make people feel represented and feel included. Does that make sense? Yeah, I would agree with that. It's almost like um, it's a bit of a, like a cheap joke really. Yeah. And there were some good moments. So I love the scene where he gets to see his mum when they jump back into the time from uh, the dark world. I think that's a really nice scene. I love the, the, t- the conversation between the two of them. And it's clearly a really important moment for him in that time frame when he brings back the hammer, because he realizes that he's still worthy. I just I just don't like that his character is played for laughs and it's not it doesn't feel to me like the comedy of Ragnarok, which I know I'm not a huge fan of, but at least I can appreciate that he was funny and we laughed at the jokes that he made in that movie. I feel like in an endgame we're laughing at him and I don't understand or feel comfortable with that. As someone who, in the first Thor movie and the other two Avengers movies, is an all-powerful, almighty god of thunder. I don't. I feel like he's fallen a lot from there in this version of the character. I mean, it may be different if he's in Guardians of the Galaxy 3. He'll be in an ensemble movie and it might feel a bit different. But I don't feel like I would watch a film of that character on his own right now. If you were to say to me, oh, Thor 4's coming, I'd say, I'll wait for that one because I don't want to see two hours of people laughing at him for his appearance yeah they could have explored the
1: like I said the PTSD a bit more
0: that could have handled
1: better you could have really unpicked that and it made a nice storyline that
0: one scene at the beginning where you see him isolated encapsulated exactly what I wanted to see them do with him in that movie and instead of doing that they made him a laughing stock. and I was it's rare that I am Angered by something in a film like that because normally I could just respect choices whether I agree with them or not but that, I actually was angry at the decisions they made with his character. I'm shaking my fist.
1: And uh, what were your highlight moments? Ooh,
0: many. Um, just pick one. One? Okay. Uh, if I had to pick one overall, can I have two? You can have one. Can I have two? You can have one. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so my, my number one moment would be... Um, when uh, all of the portals are opening and Cap does the Avengers assemble moment and then they all charge forward. I love that. That's one of those moments where you want to jump out of your seat and be like, yes, I'm going to join the fight. I'm glad you didn't because we're on the balcony. Yes, I would have gone flopping off the end of the balcony and hit the deck. And my other highlight moment that you said I couldn't have, but I'm going to have anyway, is the, is the dance between um, Steve and Peggy. But it's not our Peggy. No, it might not be our Peggy, but it's still nice to see the two of them get to be together somehow, in some respect.
1: Well, we got a little moment. (laughs)
0: Uh, Anything with that version of Thor, unfortunately, because I just felt it was played for laughs, and no, it just doesn't work for me. And other than that, I guess it would it would be that it would be that bit after Steve has done his little therapy scene. And we just drag it out a little bit until the the time travel starts. There are still bits I like in there, like seeing that Tony and uh, Pepper have now got a daughter and Ant-Man coming back from the quantum realm. But I just think overall that section just drags too long. Oh, I
1: I don't like that bit with Ant-Man and the daughter. I just don't get it.
0: What, That his daughter's five years older but looks about 12 years older?
1: Yeah. (laughs) How Much time has actually passed Because well, she was
0: think, what five in the last act man film? No, she'd be seven or eight, I reckon. So, this would be her at sort of 12, 13. But she looks about 19. I know, but then how, think about how many American high school movies have 20, 25 year olds playing 16, 17 year olds. So, it's I, I think it's very, very tenuous. And I think she's probably she probably does look just a little bit too old, but it yeah, I can just about rationalize it in my head.
1: Yeah, I can. not <laughs> And anything to do with the timeline stuff, uh,
0: yeah. Well, that was going to be my next question: Is how did you feel about the the time travel aspects of this movie?
1: Um, yeah, I, I just feel like there's.
0: I have questions. Yes. So the 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 conversation where Professor Hulk says traveling to the past doesn't change the future, because what is the future from where you are becomes your past. So if I go back to last Tuesday, then everything that happened from Tuesday to now is now in the past, and is not the future of that character, kind of layman's terms version of it. Yet, and I guess it has been explained by the Russo brothers, but Steve is able to go back and live his life and not be Cap, and our future hasn't changed because he was in a branch universe and hopped back to our universe, so our universe still had a Cap, And he was a cap in another universe. But then that universe that he lived in would have its own cap. So were there two? And then are there two Lokis? Because when they went back to Revengers Assemble... Loki disappeared with the Tesseract. So then are there there two Tesseracts and two Lokis? I I just think... I think it raised a lot of questions. And I think it's something you don't want to think about too much... Because you'll go (laughs) cross-eyed. Yeah, that's fair enough. I mean... It was interesting to read that they had some NASA physicists work with them on the time travel because I feel like something like Doctor Who does it really well and I don't feel like this did it quite as logically but it explained it very easily. I thought it was explained away very easily in the films, so they didn't have to spend too much time discussing it.
1: I think that's the whole thing, it was a sort of anything, any plot points you could find you could then just explain it away with this time theory. Whereas like you said, if it was Doctor Who I love a bit of Doctor Who. It would have made much more sense, and there would have been a much stricter sort of timeline consequences and paradoxes and all that stuff. Or even Star Trek.
0: you know. No, oh, Star Trek does time to travel
1: equally Disney as well. Very well. Yeah. Whereas here, it just felt like a bit of an excuse to do whatever
0: they want with no consequences. But then the thing that surprises me is that they didn't spend that much time in the past movies. I thought there would have been more focus on travelling to those past movies. So we actually... We lingered quite a while on Avengers Assemble, and we had to, you know, we had that one great scene in terms of the dark world. But it just... I don't know, it was weird. I felt like they would spend more time on that than they would on the build-up. So it then felt like that was actually glossed over slightly, and we really just hopped through the old movies. I guess I felt there was going to be more... And I don't want to say nostalgia, that doesn't feel like the right word, but more more time to reflect on everything that had built up to Endgame because it was the end of that chapter. I guess I felt it was going to be a bit more reflective and linger a bit more on those moments so that they would kind of remember the journey that they'd all gone through to get from the first Iron Man through to here for it then to come to an end.
1: It was just a bit rushed, really.
0: Which is odd given the runtime. They spent too I do think they spent too long on the build up and then rushed to then get to the big fight. Before we start to sort of wrap things up on an endgame front, how do you feel about the deaths? So oh let's start with how do you feel that Vision is still dead and not undone and that Gamora has not necessarily been undone but now exists in a form of a different timeline version of herself?
1: I don't well we don't know if Vision's dead or not, do we?
0: There's a theory out there that Shuri downloaded his consciousness. I have to thank Nicola from We of Hulk for explaining that one, but that's actually a very good point that could have happened.
1: And you know, there's been no mention of him
0: anywhere, and now they're getting their he own TV actually series. mentioned once. Yeah. yeah, that's true. Okay, well, we'll move on, move on then. Uh, how do you feel about the death of Black Widow? I felt strangely unemotional, given she's one of my favourites. I really wasn't that fussed.
1: Yeah, I wasn't really that bothered.
0: I felt it was played quite flat actually they spent so long on that which one of them is going to jump and fighting over it that when she died I was a bit like Oof, god that scene's over I was going to maybe push one of them off myself and I just bloody choose which feels really really sad because she's been an excellent character and she's been through quite a lot over the course of the kind of six seven films that she's been in
1: I just feel like they could have done more with her I suppose and given making her more in the forefront because she never really gets a
0: chance and I, to shine I think we're supposed to piece it together from the five year absence that we've not seen 'Cause clearly she's the one that struggled to move on the most, and she's the one that stayed behind in Avengers kind of base and ran things and was coordinating everyone and was the one that really focused on trying to bring people back. But we spent so little time in seeing any of that that it was a bit of a oh well, sad.
1: Yeah. I mean if there's been more if there was more focus on her and that build up, then I probably would have been more emotional when it happened. But when it happened I was just like, Oh, okay next
0: yeah and how did you feel about the big death the death of tony
1: well i knew that was going to come anyway i mean i told you that months ago It's like what will happen is he'll die and there'll be no consequences and we'll all live happily ever after and i was kind of right really because he did die and um, because let's face it he is the first one
0: yeah so it did bookend the infinity saga it started with him and it ended with him
1: he's getting He's an older gentleman these days now, you know. He's not as spry as he once was. He never put the suit
0: on anyway. It was always him green screened into a suit. you well, I mean, you not still to be physically fit to do all that stuff, haven't you? Do what? He didn't do anything. Yeah, it's true. It's mainly just his head put on on a CGI body. <laughs> Fair enough. I don't know how much yet. I mean, I'm not taking anything away. He has been amazing and he's, you know, I was very sad and I did cry when he died the first time I saw it, so let's not take away from the impact of it, but...
1: I didn't cry, but it was sad.
0: It was very, I thought it was very sad, and I thought it was very well done. I loved the I am Iron Man. Uh, although, why did we not have to go and see Tyrion Lannister to form a gauntlet? Why is it that to get an Infinity Gauntlet to begin with, Thanos and everyone had to go not just after the stones, but after the stones and go to see not Tyrion, but that man, to get a gauntlet, yet Iron Man was able to just create one in his lab really quickly. From scratch, because he's Iron Man, and he can do pretty much anything. Because it's Marvel, and they can just write it that way. Um, Uh, That as well. (laughs) That was a little bit of an annoyance, but I thought overall that was a really well done scene, and I loved that Peter got to be with him and was doing the Mr. Stark, Mr. Stark, and then Pepper's reaction was probably what got me the most because that was. I think they've got really good chemistry the two of them, Gwyneth Paltrow and Robert Downey Jr.
1: I do enjoy watching those two together because they do they do
0: have very good. who was looking after Morgan while they were both in the fight. Well, obviously Happy. Obviously, obviously. Obviously. He was feeding her cheeseburgers, which was a nice callback. It is interesting now thinking about the first trailer for Spider-Man Far From Home, though, with the the scene that's not in the international trailer, where Happy is handing a giant Stark Industries check to Peter and the school, and it's signed by Pepper Potts, not Tony Stark.
1: But it would always be signed by Pepper, because she runs the company. I know.
0: People still think it was a spoiler that was given away by Sony. Oh, okay. she's the CEO so So, summing up
1: overall thoughts of Endgame
0: enjoyable emotional quite heartfelt very exciting in Act 3 drags a little in Act 1 and Act 2 not Marvel's best but definitely not its worst I will stick with my initial thoughts of I'm stuck between a 7 and an 8 so it's a 7.5 out of 10 for me which will probably be my score when I go ahead and write my review. What about you?
1: Yeah, it was it was alright. Um a bit long to start with. I mean I've only seen it once I've not seen it however many times you've seen it. Twice, three times. Yep, twice. Third to come next week. I don't honestly I don't think I would go and see it again. Not at the cinema. I would probably wait for home video release. Just because it is so long
0: pre-order your copy now on digital via iTunes or on physical formats via Amazon. <laughs> so I would say, overall, good. Not as
1: good as Infinity War. A bit long, but it was very emotional at the end when Tony died. And I did li- I did quite like the chemistry from that point of view. I would have to
0: give it a 7. Okay. Well, Avengers Endgame is in cinemas now. It will probably continue to be in cinemas until Spider-Man hits in July, so if you've not seen it or you don't feel like you've seen it enough times yet there are plenty of t- chances for you to still run out there and see it. We are now going to move on and we're going to talk about Deceased which is a new series that started this week from DC Comics which is a nice little horror twist on the DC Universe. Okay so Deceased is written by Tom Taylor with pencils by Trevor Hairsine and James Harren. Inks are also by Harran and Stefano Guardiano. And colours are by Ranier Barredo. Main cover is by our good old friend Greg Capullo. And there are plenty of variant covers which are all themed to different classic horror movies which I really like. The synopsis for issue one says, I looked and there before me was a pale horse. Its rider was death and Hades was following close behind him from Revelation 6-8. A mysterious technovirus has been released on Earth, infecting 600 million people and turning them instantly into violent, monstrous engines of destruction. The heroes of the DCU are caught completely unprepared for a pandemic of this magnitude and struggle to save their loved ones first. But what happens to the world's greatest heroes if the world ends? New York Times bestselling writer Tom Taylor of Injustice returns with a terrifying new tale and is joined by artist Trevor Hairsign from Legends of the Dark Knight and Stefano Grediano from The Walking Dead. Ah, The Walking Dead. That would kind of make sense, really. (laughs) This idea has been knocking around for a little while in that I think it was probably Taylor who started it uh, was tweeting just hashtag deceased without ever really explaining what the concept was and slowly but surely DC kind of unveiled that this was a weird... I guess Elseworlds? I don't think it's in main continuity twist on the DC universe mashed up with the zombie genre. But actually what I think we got was something a little bit different. I hadn't expected it to be as built into the world of DC. I hadn't anticipated that opening sequence with Darkseid and that the virus would be built into the anti-life equation and Darkseid fiddling around with Cyborg. I thought it would just be a oh no, there's a zombie outbreak in the DC universe. So I actually really appreciated the fact that they contextualised it and built it into already existing mythology within the universe. What did you think of this issue?
1: I really liked it. Uh, I thought it was very different. It's very Um, different. I liked that it was sort of like action from the first panel. It was like go, 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 go with that initial dark side. You know, we've got this sort of, they allude to this sort of ongoing war that's been raging on for God knows how long before we get to the, yeah. the virus being released. And like I said, it's bringing in all those different layers. So we get a bit of dark side. We get to see Black Racer coming back again. So I know we briefly got to see him in the past when him and Flash merged into one. Yes. And then we got to see this sort of... This really interesting virus and in that it's so... The impact of this virus is so extreme that it even kills Darkseid himself first. That was a bit of a shocker. Before Cyborg then gets boom-tubed back to Earth to cause more havoc following the destruction of Apocalypse.
0: I was about to say the entire Apocalypse gets blown up, which is pretty major. It kind of tells you from the outset that this is going to be a huge story and it's going to have some serious complications for the Justice League.
1: And it's really gruesome as well. I mean, if you look at that first panel when Cyborg gets back
0: to Earth, he looks horrific. He does look horrific. When he's kind of reaching out towards the page and he's got the blood dripping out of his mouth, he does not look good, does he? No. I also hadn't expected that it was going to be a virus that wasn't just communicated by the usual zombie trope of biting or blood, you know, like communicable through blood and bodily fluids. That you then get that scene where it says, the anti life equation began to spread as a techno organic virus. It attacked through social media as a disease that bridged the digital divide into the biological and infected the minds of all who saw it. Good little comment on uh, modern society. Do you not think that oh, 600 million people were infected because they were all attached to their devices at the exact moment that the uh, the virus arrived? Well, everybody
1: was looking at their Instagram, seeing what the latest post from Get Your Comic Con was. Wasn't <laughs>
0: Damn it! We did it! We killed everyone! No! <laughs> It just I don't know it sounds like I wasn't really expecting very much to say that I thought it was going to be fairly generic and it wasn't but that's not it I always knew it was going to be fun I just hadn't realized that it was going to be this well contextualized and I realized that I'm just repeating myself now I just I really was impressed by how much effort they put into giving it a reason to exist and not it just being a story for the sake of it I know you've never read it but Marvel Zombies did less of that work and let in more to the horror side of it And it's an amazing story, it's a a really great series and I love it, but it doesn't do the contextualising that this does, so it's very much a let's look at what happens if we bend that universe to match the rules of zombies and horror, whereas this is let's take that horror and let's bend that to fit into what works in the DC universe, and I, I just think that that is something that really stands out as to why this is great storytelling from Tom Taylor.
1: Yeah, no, I'd agree. Because when I read it, I thought, well, oh, God, is this continuity? Because it's fitting in. Well, there. exactly.
0: Yeah, there is a point there where you're like, oh, God, this is actually the universe. You get that really heartbreaking scene where um, you get to f- you flash to the apartment of John and Lois and Clark, and John's playing video games with Damien, and then reaches for the phone that's buzzing in the corner as Clark comes flying through the windows to say, don't touch it! And you kind of realise from that point on, when you then flash to the Batcave and realise that things have gone wrong in Wayne Manor, that actually... Not even the heroes are safe.
1: No, I really like that scene because John's got a Superman t-shirt on and demon has got Batman t-shirt on.
0: Ah, so he does. <laughs> I hadn't really noticed that, but yeah, they do. And then it's not. Do you not think it's a bit sad to see Dick Grayson in his Nightwing costume rather than Rick Grayson?
1: Yeah, but that's what that just sort of brings it back to. It. It's not continuity. Yeah, I it's
0: fine, guys. Calm down. <laughs> <laughs> breathe, breathe. It's okay. Actually. I'm just look, so I'm looking at this on my iPad now, and um, it feels like the story's really quick. But actually, when you get to that point where you see Nightwing and you realise that um, Nightwing and I, it's Tim, isn't it? Yeah, that's like uh, Are both zombified and infected? That's actually page twenty-seven. I know it's twenty-seven to thirty-six, but well, actually, to be fair, the story then ends on twenty-eight because you go into the preview of um, last night on Earth. But really, those twenty-eight pages there's a lot crammed in there and that last image uh, on the To Be Continued page is horrifying oh yeah absolutely it just I mean even looking at it now it's just disturbing Um, if you have this comic book and you have read it then please feel free to flick to page 28 right now that that just the look on Batman's face with the slices up the side and the carol partly cut open and then Nightwing just grabbing into his shoulder like that, and also Batman like clawing his own chest apart as well. I mean, those look like really deep grooves in his chest. Is what? that not Nightwing's clawing into his chest? Oh, I presume that was Batman, but it could be Nightwing. I just thought he's like holding he him. He could be the holding head, him. And then what happened to Nightwing's head?
1: Oh well, yeah, it looks like somebody's like stuck an axe in him or something. Oh
0: Alfred, Alfred is holding a knife. Two pages uh, before, yes. so he obviously. Alfred was trying to defend himself. But at least we know that Alfred's alright. It's always good to know that Penny One has survived the uh, the crisis. He's a very resilient man. Really. He is. Uh, so I'm I'm really intrigued to know where this goes from here because it's a, a amazingly exciting kickoff to this one. I think it's a six issue series, this one. It will tell us on the front cover, yes, which I am it's just Six, six issues. Just going to be a fun little ride, I think. Be interesting to see if it has any ramifications elsewhere, if they decide to tie this in somehow like it's another Earth or anything like that. It would be. It's interesting, and I just love Greg Capullo's cover as well. That's, that you can just tell instantly that that's Greg from the second you look at it, looking at the SWAT guys' character designs. I'm not sure where they're going to go, because half the world has gone already, We're only the like issue one. So I'm, I'm going to guess that Superman's going to be the lead, because he's about the only hero who's not zombified at this point. Not that we've seen Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman is absent. Well, you'd hope that the
1: Amazons would be fine, because they don't really have Wi-Fi.
0: True, the Amazon should be okay. Uh, We've not seen Green Lantern or Flash. Uh, How the hell do you stop a zombie flash?
1: Well, this is the the age-old question. Is he a fast zombie
0: or is he a slow zombie? (laughs) No one likes a fast zombie. Especially a super fast zombie. Uh, Any highlight moments? All of it, I think. (laughs) Same for me, to be honest. Uh, I think the script is really good. Tom Taylor does... I mean, I've read some of his work on Injustice, but he is... He's a class actor when it comes to dialogue as well, and I think this is a really well-written story. I think that shows through really well, and the artwork is great. The artwork, I think, really, really leans into the horror, and is just quite epically horrific.
1: Epically Deceased.
0: Yes. Also a great play on the name, Deceased. I reviewed this issue uh, earlier on this week, and I... Did I give this an 8, or did I give it a 9? I might have given it a 9, actually. Is it bad that I don't know my own review score for it, and I'm having to look it up?
1: No, I think you've probably reviewed so much, it all becomes <laughs> one.
0: Uh, tell us your thoughts while I look at my score.
1: Uh, I really liked it. I loved it. I wouldn't. There isn't a bad thing I would say about it. I think I would probably give this a solid nine because you know it's got a zombie Dick Grayson and a Tim Drake, and you got a Damian with a Batman. T-shirt. All the Robins, you do. Oh, you, love, you, do
0: you love the Robins, mm. not all of them, but you know most of them. So I said in my verdict. The first issue of Deceased is an excellent introduction to the new this new horror-changed version of the World of DC. My verdict on this one was that the first issue of Deceased is an excellent introduction to this new horror tinged version of the World of DC. Plenty of intrigue and enough DC spin give the story a unique angle, and some fresh artwork from Hair Simon Harren definitely has me clamouring for more zombie action 8 out of 10. So as we said, the first issue of Deceased is available in stores and online now. If you haven't read it, seriously, run out and pick it up at, like right now. If you aren't already on your way to buy a copy, you need to be. Because it's absolutely excellent. And we will continue to talk about this each month as each issue comes out. Now there's a Geico seal of approval there. <laughs> yes, it is. That wraps up our chat on Deceased. So we are now going to move on and talk about Pokemon Detective Pikachu which is in cinemas from next Friday, which is May the 10th, and is from Warner Brothers. Have a little listen to the trailer. So there I was. I woke up
1: with a heavy case of amnesia in the middle of nowhere. The only clue to my past is Harry's name and address inside this hat. So I made my way to the apartment, and that's when I found you and your stapler gun.
0: Stop talking, you're a hallucination. You're a hallucination. So you're a talking Pikachu with no memories, who's <laughs> addicted to caffeine.
1: I could stop whenever I want. These are just choices. Another round, extra shot. Black as night, thank you, sweetie. <laughs> I don't know, maybe Harry got in too deep. Mixed up with the wrong crowd, that kind of thing. Look, you can talk to humans. <laughs> I can talk to Pokemon. And if you want to find your pops, we're going to need each other. No, I don't need a Pokemon. And what about a world-class detective? my clues what is all this harry is still alive case closed but still open until i solve it all right here it is harry faked his own death or somebody else faked harry's death or harry faked somebody else's death that last one doesn't work
0: no oh
1: I'll just do it again.
0: Uh, Hey, bud. What are you doing? I can't do it when people are watching. Get me the hell out of here! Pika,
1: Pika! That's a twist. That's fair. Get him. He's barely moving. Don't tell him that. Oh, he's on a bike! Quick, get in front of him! Stop! Oh no, he's going down hard, Tim. Should have worn a helmet.
0: Detective Pikachu is directed by Rob Letterman and stars Ryan Reynolds as Pikachu, Justice Smith as Tim Goodman, Catherine Newton as Lucy Stevens, Martin's favorite Bill Nye as Howard Clifford, Ken Watanabe as Lieutenant Yoshida. Chris Gear as Roger Clifford, and Suki Waterhouse as Miss Norman. Synopsis for this movie reads, In a world where people collect Pokemon to do battle, a boy comes across an intelligent talking Pikachu who seeks to be a detective. We'll try and keep the spoilers on this one mild as the film isn't out for another week because I don't want to ruin it for anybody that's not seen it yet. So we'll try and keep you warned if we're about to say anything too spoilerish. Uh you rather rather bigger Pokemon fan than I am? I've played some of the games, I regularly play Pokemon Go, but I didn't really grow up quite so much on the cartoon. How how are you feeling about this movie from the trailers before we saw it?
1: So I think first we should say thank you to Warner Brothers. Yeah, a
0: huge thank you to Warner Brothers UK for inviting us to see this film on, uh, on Wednesday night of this week. It was a great little event and nice to see some of the usual crew out at the cinema. It was nice to catch up with people. And... Uh, also, thanks for inviting us down to the Pokemon event that we went to on Friday in Covent Garden. I know it was open to the public today and, oh, sorry, not today, yesterday, and uh, they ended up tweeting out that they had to cut the walk-ins because it was just so, so busy. But we've had a little Pokemon-filled week. Uh, so, yeah, tell us tell us what you were thinking about it beforehand.
1: So, I've never played um, Detective Pikachu, the game, but I am more
0: of oh, a... Oh, there's a game of Detective Pikachu? Yeah. I did not realise that. Yeah, I've
1: not played that game, but there is... Uh... <clears throat> but I am a bigger, so I sort of grew up with the TV series and the card games, and wasting hours of life playing the, you know, the original red and blue,
0: yeah,
1: and gold and silver and yellow and all
0: the other ones. Sun and moon and that's much later on. You played it.
1: Yeah. So I was really excited. and I was a bit anxious as to what to expect.
0: Especially from a talking Pikachu.
1: Especially from a talking Pikachu and you think, Oh god, is this gonna be really cheesy? Is it gonna be really bad? Are we gonna have like another sort of Dragon Ball type film?
0: And the answer to that is
1: Do you know I didn't act I, I, yeah. It was kinda a bit like a Dragon Ball film, but I loved it. Oh really? Well it was a bit you know, it's a game and a film, it's a bit cheesy. Yeah. But I can forgive all of that because it was just amazing. It
0: was awesome. Because it was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I think So I think for me, as someone who, like I just said, didn't grow up on the cartoons but has played games and plays Pokemon Go and has that kind of knowledge of, of the franchise, I think it was really enjoyable and it was really accessible. So I do think that people who aren't the most hardcore fans can go in and still find something to enjoy. I think it's enjoyable for, for everyone, but then... It's, it's almost like when you go and watch like a Star Wars film now, in that there'll be so many things in there for fans who understand it all, as well as there are for things for people who are seeing it for the first time. I think every single scene is just filled with Pokemon. There must have been hundreds of different types of Pokemon that were in there. I just I, You'd have to go and watch it three or four times to be able to see absolutely everything that's in there.
1: Yeah, I like the, the attention to detail. So, like, if you were flying through a cityscape, there'd be hundreds of bird-type Pokemon flying yes. around. And you could spend ages like, oh, look, it's Pidgeotto. Oh, look, it's a Pidgey. And yeah. yeah, I really like that. Or if you're in the forest, you'd be like, oh, look at that over there. There's hundreds of different types. Oh, it's yeah. just milling around being Pokemon.
0: And then I said to you a couple of times when they were when they mentioned the origin stories of as to whether they were correct or not, and you were saying, yes, they were.
1: Yeah, so, I mean, I did, I did get slightly worried when we started to... To delve into the background of Mewtwo. He is in the trailer, so you know he knows that he's going to be there. Um, but I really liked the nod to the fact that they said, "Oh, you know, he's been on the run from the Kanto region for twenty years," which would put it right back into Pokémon the first movie.
0: We didn't, re- we, so we didn't see any of the locations from the games, did we?
1: No, we just. Had well, they were never
0: really named, did it, what town Tim was from originally.
1: It didn't, but we had lots of callbacks to to the original series. Okay. So if you look at his, so we know we had this whole thing about Mewtwo, going back 20 years to Kanto. Yep. When he was in his bedroom at, in his dad's house. Yeah. All the posters on his walls. so we had like the civilian gem getting yep. from Kanto. Then there was posters for the Sinnoh League.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, so I quite liked all that.
0: I would say that the story overall is a little bit generic uh, in that there's not a huge amount of development of a villain-type character and after a lot of running around and meeting different characters and introducing lots of different Pokemon and dropping a few sort of clues as to a slightly more overarching story we just suddenly have a third act big set piece fight sequence that happens and is very cool but a, there is there is a little bit of popcorn summer blockbuster convenience about the whole thing but not in an unenjoyable way. I still walked out thinking, that was amazing. It doesn't have to be deep. I'm talking about it as if it has to be the Dark Night of Pokemon, which it doesn't. It is exactly what it should be. It's fun, it's lighthearted, it's enjoyable, and it's surprisingly heartfelt. There's a lot about it that I thought, oh. So, you know, there is a moment where, and this is only a vague spoiler, Pikachu is injured, and that was quite a sad moment. I was quite anxious for the poor little thing at that point. And the story of Tim, who is obviously not a character from the games or the cartoons, they managed to do a lot with him in the space of a movie which is probably aimed at people a lot younger than us as a main market. I still think they do a lot and there is character development for him from the beginning to the end and there is a jumping off point where there could be future movies if they wanted to be future movies. And I was impressed by that. I don't want this to sound like I'm being putting the movie down at all, but I, I expected a Transformers and what I got was a Marvel? That makes sense? Um, maybe? I mean, I expected Fluff that I would enjoy and I got Fluff with a Heart that I enjoyed. Oh, okay, that makes more sense. Not really.
1: You lost me when you started down the Transformer versus awful. I don't mean I was
0: expecting explosions. Yeah, okay. I, what I mean was I was expecting something fairly hollow that would be enjoyable. I wasn't expecting it to have as much, you know, depth to it as it had. And I wasn't expecting it to quite tug at the old heartstrings.
1: Yeah, it did tug quite a bit towards the end. And he's like, oh, that's really sad.
0: Yeah. What were your What were your favourite moments? All of it is not an option. Um. Well, there was one moment that I didn't like. Okay. Oh, okay. She would like to start with a moment you didn't like. Like Rita Aura. <laughs> but she's barely in the film, so how did you. Was it just her mere appearance? I just felt like,
1: you know, I've got a song in a the film, therefore I must be in the film, and you're just like, oh god, they've done it again.
0: They've just stuck a singer in a film. Just. To because. be fair, she is not somebody who I would expect to see portray a scientist. So that was a little difficult. I'm not commenting on her intelligence, just as a person in the pop music industry who is famous for a packaged product, to see her play a scientist was um, a little out of place.
1: It just, you know, it just felt like I was watching like a really like a, a film from like the early two thousands. Where pop stars were trying to break into acting and they'd be everywhere, like almost like spy kids. <laughs> okay. Do you not think it had that feel about it?
0: I guess so. Where it had yeah. that
1: like wacky kids film feel and you'd have like a pop up.
0: Yes. Because yes. up up
1: until that point. Slightly
0: Scooby Doo esque?
1: Yes, yeah, a bit like Scooby Doo. But up until that point, I was like, oh, you know, actually, this isn't... That was what I was expecting for the whole thing, but I didn't get that from the whole thing. It was, Just, like you said, there yeah. was more sort of heart, there was more character development. And in that moment, I was a bit like, oh, okay, so
0: it's a bit like that now. Only in those moments. Oh, only in those moments. Well, yeah, in fact, she's barely in more than one scene. Yeah. Yeah. Can we go back to the actual question, which was moments you really liked? It's. Yeah, so I liked
1: most of it. I liked all of it, really. So I loved the throwbacks. I loved the little Easter eggs of Kanto and Cerulean and the other leagues and stuff. And I love the fight, the underground fight scene as well. That was
0: really cool. I really enjoyed that scene, which is in the trailer. So again, not not a spoiler, but the full sequence is a lot more exciting than what you see in the trailer. I Although loved you've the... got to love that little pika pika. Yeah. <laughs> and I
1: love the fact that we ruined the ending for ourselves without even realising we'd ruined the ending for ourselves. We
0: did. We totally ruined the ending without even knowing about it. So when they were shooting this movie, which was back last year... They filmed a lot of it in London. Uh, You see a lot of London in the movie itself. Really, really well augmented with CGI to to not beat London and to be the setting that is Rhyme City. But they filmed a lot in central London in what you would call the city of London. And we had been up in Edinburgh visiting your family and got the train back into London. And we were wandering through with our little wheelie suitcases when we saw streets shut off for a film crew, didn't we? Yeah. And we stopped and watched. And we were kind of well well down a side street from what is actually in the film. But we could see what was appearing to be a parade. And a giant inflatable Pikachu. <laughs> and we heard dialogue that is in the film. Which is actually a complete spoiler as to the entire of the uh, villain's plan.
1: <laughs> so it was almost like the big bad reveals
0: all. And we were just kind of like, oh, oh we've heard all this. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah, so that was interesting. What was also interesting was that actually we didn't get to see many of the extras. We only saw a handful of people running and screaming for their lives. And when you see it in context, it was actually quite exciting to think, oh, we're just off at the side kind of watching what's going on. But it was funny that actually we kind of, in the depths of our memories, knew exactly how it was going to end and didn't really know about it.
1: But that was exciting in itself.
0: Uh, Yeah, it was actually. It didn't ruin the movie for me at all. I heard it and I was like, oh my God, I knew this already. (laughs) I saw this happen for real. Or not for real as it was. Any other highlight moments?
1: Um, just everything with Pikachu, and I think that was well done. Who were your favourite
0: Pokemon that you saw apart from Pikachu?
1: Duck, probably. Bless him. Poor little Duck.
0: He was a good character. He was a good character. What did you think about the human supporting cast? There was one scene I didn't like, which was the introduction of Catherine Newton's Lucy. I thought that was a bit... I thought it was played a little bit too serious when it wasn't so when she so again I don't want to spoil it but she appears uh, in the apartment block where Tim's dad lives and you first see her on the stairs and she's in silhouette and she I don't know I get that her character takes herself too seriously in the film anyway but there was just something about the way that scene was played that didn't quite sit right with me it just felt a little bit too overcooked
1: Yeah, I didn't mind that again. It just made me kind of think of films like Dragon Ball. Yeah. Like early noughties. Street Fighter. Street Fighter. Yeah, I love Street Fighter. Um, But yeah, I mean, if you think of it in terms of those films where if you don't expect too much, it's always going to be amazing. Yeah. Just think of it, just go back to it. It's very nostalgic.
0: I don't know how you got to that because you were talking about the. I was asking you about the uh, human supporting cast.
1: Yeah, well, I just got overexcited really. (laughs) Um, I don't mind, I
0: mean, uh, yeah, it was all about the Pokemon for me, I think. I don't know who I would say my other favourite Pokemon were. This is where I'm going to show my lack of knowledge. Uh, What was the one in the bar that just went.? Oh, now I can never pronounce his name. Had a Mexican hat on, looked like a duck, very hairy.
1: Uh, so it is, I think it's l- ludicol. I never know how to pronounce that one.
0: Let's have a look. Ludicolo, ludicolo. Yeah, ludicolo, well, that's it. It looks quite different. It's got more of a beak in the film. And I guess that that sort of pineapple-like shape is hair in the movie. They're just sort of animalising it, really. What's the noise that it makes in the game? <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what it does in the film. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'd say that was my other favourite one, uh, just because it was so funny. I felt like we needed more Jigglypuff. Jigglypuff didn't do very much. Oh, poor Jigglypuff. I loved that because when
1: he was singing and he was so angry, and it just takes it back to the very, to the first
0: series where we see Jigglypuff. There was a cameo from a Snorlax as well, and I do love a Snorlax. You do love a Snorlax. It makes me
1: think of you. Oh, thanks. Fall asleep anywhere. The one Pokemon noise that I didn't like, yeah, that stuck into my mind, was Bulbasaur. I can't remember what noise he made. He just sort of, they all just sort of squeaked. Oh yeah. Which is not, yeah. What are they supposed to do? They're supposed to say their name, aren't they? Oh yeah. So the, the bubbles were just sort of went, Wee. <laughs> what did it do? They went like a, like a wee noise. <laughs> okay. Or like a little chirpy noise. Yeah. Rather than, like a bizarre. Okay. Which is what we would hope for. Yeah. Or what we'd be more used to if you go back to the
0: sort of the original series. Yeah.
1: But it's not a massive film. That's more animal-like for him to make a cute squeaky noise.
0: True, yeah, that just gives it some context. I guess favourite moments for me, I thought the rooftop chase at the beginning was very cool when uh, Tim first gets to Rhyme City and trying to understand the whole why does my Pikachu talk. Uh, Ryan Reynolds I thought was really funny in this film. I appreciated the fact that this wasn't just him being Deadpool. I know a lot of people were worried that Pikachu would just sound like and talk like Deadpool, but he didn't.
1: Thank God, that would have been a really different Well, obviously, <laughs> there would
0: have been less, like, you know, F-bombs and swearing, but the sense, the sensibility, the sense of humour of the character wasn't just a, a recreation of Deadpool. It, you know, wasn't making that kind of similar humour. This was a totally different type of humour, but equally as funny. So I really appreciated that. Uh... Don't know how I feel about the kind of conclusion of Tim's storyline and the story of his missing dad. That was a bit random.
1: Uh, quite, it was quite nice though. It up. felt
0: it felt nice. I just it was a weirdly, I, I felt like we were weirdly being dragged that way throughout the movie, and we were being led there by the fact that there were certain decisions that the production team made in terms of what we saw of his dad up to the point where it's resolved. Yeah, but I, still, I would still never have called it. No, no okay. No, unless, no, I wouldn't actually. Um, I had a theory as to who I thought his dad was going to be and it, I was obviously wrong. Do you think it sets up a potential sequel in any way? Or do you think it just closes the book and obviously there could be a sequel but it closes it on this film?
1: I think it's for this storyline it sums it up nicely but it leaves the characters in a position where you could then go on to look at other films.
0: yeah. Would you like to see more films in this version of Pokemon's world? Yes. That's good. I think I feel the same way, actually. Uh, I think there's more that can be uncovered and can be told in this little world. We can go to different parts of this world. I don't know if it's our world or a different world.
1: Well, it's regions regions, isn't it? So we've, we've never exclusively said what region we're in. We've only just been to Rhyme City. Yeah, that's true. So they've not embedded it into we're not you know we're not in the Canto region. We're not in
0: Sinnoh or Johto. It's just Rhyme City. I don't want to see like Gremlins Two New York. You know
1: and they went. Pikachu on. takes over Manhattan. Yeah.
0: yeah. And that that's not something I want. Oh, like Jurassic Park Two. I don't want to see Pikachu end up on a on a boat and brought to San Diego where it takes over. Her. <laughs> I like the fact that it's still in its little hyper stylized little world of its own.
1: Yeah,
0: I'd like to see more of that live action, that'd be really cool. I thought the visual effects were amazing. They were, they were very well done. Throughout, The cities looked amazing, the The whole aesthetic of the film was, was excellent, it was, I knew I was watching London but I didn't feel like I was watching London, if you get what I mean? And the Pokemon were all done very well. They so. were all done so well. There was so much done to them that I uh, really do think that someone, <coughs> Sega, need to pay attention when it comes to Sonic the Hedgehog. Um, oh God, those legs. <laughs> it was just, it was so well, th- I, I really hope when the film gets released on home video there's some good behind the scenes stuff about how they developed the way the Pokemon look to decide who's scaly, who's furry, given the source material is very flat and 2D. There was a lot put into making everything individual in its own respect, which I really, really appreciated.
1: Yeah, so especially when it looked like Charizard, how he was really, like, scaly and almost lizard-like. Yep, and then... And where his picture was really cute and fluffy.
0: Yeah, and Jigglypuff had its own different type of fur, and the... <laughs> ...thing had its own, like, shaggy look about it. Yes. Everything was very individual. It was very, very cool. I thought it was really, really well done. I liked the score as well. I thought the score was very good. I'd listened to it a couple of times. Um wish there was a little bit more of the original theme tune, but you know it's it's there. Oh, but we, we did get a good bit of it, though. I won't spoil it, but it was good. It was worth it.
1: What were your overall? What would you score this? Was oh, okay. I, so, uh, give was my... our final thoughts from a Jerry Springer point of view?
0: I wrapped up my review for this one by saying Detective Pikachu is quite the triumph for Warner Brothers. Easily one of the best computer game adaptations of all time. It's captivating, funny, and unexpectedly heartfelt. That's been my quote. That's all over social media as well. Is unexpectedly heartfelt. Great casting and brilliant special effects easily make it one of the most enjoyable movies of the year. I gave it 7.5 out of 10.
1: I would agree, but I would elevate the score up to probably a 9 out of 10 just for nostalgia.
0: It was absolutely brilliant. And uh, if you've been around London for the last couple of days, there's been an excellent little pop-up event that's been going on in Covent Garden where you could kind of go and interact with bits of the movie. So we went down on Friday, didn't we? And we went with Nicola from We Have a Hulk. And there was different photo opportunities so you could take your picture against a uh, yellow fluffy wall there is a gif of us on uh, on twitter where you can see us all doing what looks like stroking a giant pikachu's ass there was also a really funny little infinity room that was just all mirrors with lightning bolt lights hung from the ceiling and we got to wear little light up pikachu ears but we didn't get to keep them but we didn't get to keep them though there was also a uh, A wall which is the poster of the movie but you could put magnetic stickers against it and again have your picture taken. So we had a little Pikachu saying uh, quote that you loved, which was? It was very twisty. It's very twisty. Then there was also a coffee bar. So you could have, there was a variety of drinks that all had different um, designs on them. So you could either have like an actual Pikachu silhouette on top of your coffee or it would say Pika Pika. Then downstairs there was some Jigglypuff karaoke as well as some really cool neon lights. There was also a nail bar where you could do some Pikachu nail art. And they had a whole bunch of classes that went on. There was a mime class for Mr. Mime, who was an excellent addition in the film. Actually, oh, I loved Mr. Year. Mime. That was a genius scene.
1: Poor Mr. Mime.
0: Uh, bits of it, again, are in the trailers. But when you see the full thing, you will just be rolling around on the floor because it is so funny. So they did, uh, yes, there was Pokemon nail art. There was cake decorating with Kim Joy from uh, Great British Bake Off. Not Kim Chi from RuPaul's Drag Race, which was something that I slightly confused you with, wasn't it?
1: I, as, I think I said to you for the week up to, are you sure it is Kim
0: Chi? And I really did, in my head, mean Kim Joy.
1: But you were very adamant, and I said, why is a drag queen designing Pikachu cupcakes?
0: And you said, I don't know, maybe she really likes it. <laughs> <laughs> which is horrible, because I don't mean to say that Kim Joy from Great British Bake Off is a drag queen, because she's really not. And there was also uh, yoga classes as well. You could do some chill out yoga with Pikachu. But it was a cool little event. What did you What did you think? I really liked it. I mean, I don't drink coffee, but I still got one because I wanted a Pikachu um, cup. <laughs> yes, we have kept the cups. Yeah,
1: and it was cool to get the little stencil on top. Um, I really wanted a set of ears with a detective Pikachu hat. But yeah, I just they
0: were was gonna, not going to get one No, the guy said he was going to chase us down the street If we tried to take them So uh, that was never going to happen He said he was an ears
1: ninja And I believed him actually I just, as did I, yes Because there were quite a lot of unruly children there And I thought if he can get them off them I have no hope But Any, no, I really liked
0: it only thing I would say I'm not a great fan of having my picture taken And I had to have my picture taken quite a lot so. Yeah, no, I'm not a fan of that either But you know,
1: we, we
0: powered through so. <laughs> we, did, we did power through So thank you to Warner Brothers for everything this week Between that event and the... Uh, the screening on Wednesday it's been really really cool and those guys are always amazing when it comes to events like that and I'm always great, really really thankful to be invited to anything so uh, yeah. big big thank you to Warner Brothers UK for that one.
1: You know it's always nice to catch up with the interweb gang at these events as well.
0: Yeah so it was it was great to see Nicola and Chris and Tasman the aspiring Kryptonian and Kibla as well who's part of the We Speak Geek crowd I just I love the fact that we've got a nice little community of friends that we get to see all these things now it's just it just makes it all totally completely utterly worthwhile and was wonderful to to be part of
1: so I think we've come to the end
0: yeah I think that is it for this first bumper edition of Get Your Comic On so we will be back next week for another chat to see what we've been watching what we've been reading and uh, yeah what's been going on in the life of Geico so thank you all for listening as always and we will see you again soon Bye bye bye